0: messages called those people as hopefully you know by now and uh, what we've been doing over the last five weeks we've been looking at well we've been looking at relational health and we've been looking at well how do we deal with those people you know those kinds of people in our lives that are the difficult kinds of people and what we've been thinking about is well how do we live with those people in fact deal with them care for them in fact go further than that how do we actually love those kinds of people And so far in this series, we've looked at how that love is the key to loving difficult people. We've looked at how we can be wise in our relationships. And last week, we talked about how God wants to heal the hurts in our lives, those hidden wounds that have often been inflicted by those people in our lives. This morning, kind of almost moving on from that area, is to think about this morning about this whole area of Forgiveness. Now, would you agree that it is easier to forgive someone who's hurt you once than someone who's hurt you multiple times? Of course it is. It is so much easier to do that. Because, you see, when somebody irritates me or hurts me or somebody stabs me in the back many, many times, time after time, do I really have to forgive them? I mean, you know, if they do it once, fair enough. But if it's a constant thing and even a kind of maybe even talk to them about it, do I really have to forgive them? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, it's a question, in fact, that Peter asked some 2,000 or so years ago in Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And it's interesting there that Peter says, he asks, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Now, I don't know whether if Peter is thinking about his, his actual brother, his brother Andrew, I mean, maybe he had some specific thing that irritated him. I, I, I don't know. Because, you see, 90% of resentment occurs in families. It occurs between husband and wife, between brothers and sisters, between parents and children. Why? Well, because those are the people that very often we spend the most time with. And because of that, things get on our nerves and we begin to get irritated and cross and angry and then it all blows up, doesn't it? So Peter says, he says, how many times do I have to forgive, maybe his brother, but actually it's a wider question, how many times do I have to forgive those people who offend me? Those people who who have wronged me? Those people who have upset me? And Peter thinks he's being real generous when he says seven times. Because you see, Jewish law required that you only forgive a person, you only have to give a person up to three times. So Peter's thinking, well do you know what, I'll double that. I'll double the law and I'll make it six and I'll throw one in for good measure. How about seven times, Lord? And he's expecting Jesus to go, wow, Peter, what a spiritual giant you are. Willing to forgive seven times? Amazing. Yet in the next verse, you can almost hear the humour in Jesus' voice, can't you? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. The point he's making here is that there is no limit on forgiveness. And if you're keeping score every time you forgive, then, well, actually you haven't forgiven really in the first place. So Jesus tells us a story and he says, you'll have to learn to forgive on a continual basis, on a constant basis for three very important reasons. Not for other people's benefit, but really for your own. And so what he does, as he often would do, is he would tell a story. He would tell a parable and he tells a story of a king that calls in his debts. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began his settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now this servant comes to the king and he is hopelessly in debt. In fact he owes 10,000 talents to his king, to his master. Now do you know how much that is in today's money? It's about 12 million pounds. Now that's a big debt isn't it? If you think about it. This guy is 12 million quid in debt. Now, maybe he invested in the wrong funds, I I don't know. Maybe some investments went wrong. But, But for one reason or another, he is never, ever going to repay this amount of money. He is up to his neck in debt. And in those days, there's no such thing as a bankruptcy court. There are only two alternatives. You are either put in jail or you're sold as a slave to pay off your debts. So the king says, You owed me 12 million quid and you can't pay up, so let's just sell him into slavery. But it's kind of pathetic pathetic because the next verse we read this The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He ain't going to do that, is he? He is 12 million pounds in debt and he goes, Give me a few days. There is no way on earth he is going to pay back that debt. And that's Jesus' point here. Even at a thousand pounds a day, it's going to take him something like 30 years or so to pay off a million pound debt. He is hopelessly in debt. But in the next verse it says, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. That's amazing. He takes pity on him and he cancels the debt and he says, look, let's just call it even. We'll wipe the slate clean. You no longer owe me 12 million pounds. Amazing. An amazing story that Jesus tells that, that pulls us into this story. On, and that's Jesus' plan. Because you see, Jesus never told a story to sort of entertain his audiences There was always truth, there was always insights and purposes behind his parables. There was always a reason Jesus tells these stories that he tells. And remember, he's telling this story immediately after Peter asked him the question, how many times should I forgive? And what Jesus wants to learn here through this story is why I must learn to forgive. And there are three reasons that I want us to understand from this parable this morning. The first is this. The first reason I must learn to forgive is that God offers me forgiveness. In this story, this guy piles up this amazing debt and he is forgiven by the king. But that is nothing compared to the debt that I owe God. You and I, we have amassed quite a debt that we owe him. And if God gave me what I deserved, I wouldn't be alive today and neither would you. Because of all the things that we've done wrong in our lives, all the things that we've done, we are hopelessly in debt to God. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen short. We have missed the mark. We are therefore all in debt to God. And there is no way that I could ever repay God, for all the things that I have done wrong in my life. But because God has chosen to, out of his great love, he has said, "Okay, Phil, we will wipe the slate clean. You can be forgiven. And that is called grace. Everything you've ever done wrong can be forgiven and forgotten. That is grace. Romans 8.1 says this, There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Completely forgiven. But here's the thing whatever God has done for me, He expects me to do for other people. I need to forgive you when you hurt me because I have been forgiven by God. Whatever God has done for you, He expects you to do for other people. Now, if you were this guy in this story and you'd just been forgiven 12 million pound debt, do you think you might respond to other people a little bit differently in life? Do you think you might have a little gratitude, maybe a little bounce in your step perhaps? Do you think you might experience some joy that this complete relief of this burden of this debt has been taken away from you? Do you think you might treat other people a little bit differently? Absolutely you would. If you just had a £12 million debt wiped out, you would probably go out and go, do you know what, I'm going to cut some people some slack. I've been graced, so I will be gracious to others. And you'd expect that that is the way that the servant would react. You know, if you've never heard this story before or as the story was being played out to us, you'd expect, wow, this guy is going to be gracious to other people. But that's not the way the guy reacted. And Jesus always has a bit of a kick in the, a kind of a sting in the towel when he tells these parables. Look, verse 28. But when that servant, remember the one who has just been forgiven, went out, found out one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Notice it's the same thing that the first guy had said to the king, but he refused. He said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This guy has been forgiven 12 million pounds and he finds a guy who owes him 100 denarii. Do you know how much that is? 300 quid. And he starts choking this guy, saying to him, pay up, pay up. In fact, interestingly, in in Roman law, you could legally choke somebody who owed you money. Now, don't go doing that and say that's like the Roman law. It's not, because that's not applicable today. But you could do that. You could go out and kind of squeeze it out of people. You're allowed to do that. Pay me back. He only owes him 300 pounds. And this guy says to him, look, please, I'm so sorry. Please, would you be patient with me and I will pay you back? But is he going to be fair with him? No. In fact, he throws him into prison. Now, why in the world would he do that? Well, it's because he didn't really believe he'd been forgiven in the first place. See, the king had said, you're forgiven, but he didn't really believe it. And so he went out and he goes, I've got to start paying this, the guy back. I've got to start paying the king back, um, even if it means that 300 pounds a time. And that's why he goes after this servant who owes him. Remember, there's always a point behind Jesus' story. And many of you are believers. You have accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You've accepted his offer of salvation. But deep down, you don't really believe that you've been forgiven fully particularly about one or two incidents in, in your life that maybe keep coming back and haunting you and you go, I, I know I'm saved, but, but, but God, he, he ain't going to forgive me for that. In fact, he hasn't forgiven me for that because that's just, yeah, that's just too bad. So in your mind, you're thinking, well, Lord, I'll kind of make it up to you. I'll try and do some things. I'll be in church every day. I'll get involved in the ministry. I'll give money. I'll do all the good things. I'll be nice to people and all that kind of stuff. And all along, what you're doing is you're trying to live by rules and regulations and rituals to make amends for something you still don't feel forgiven about that God has actually forgiven you for already. And that's what happened with this guy. He he didn't understand grace, so he is harsh. He grabs the guy and he demands from him and he begins to choke him. Now, I've been a pastor many years and any time you find somebody who is very judgmental and they are rigid and they are unbending and they don't want to cut anybody else any slack, but they're always griping and complaining and being critical about other people. Whenever you find somebody like that, you can count on this. They have unresolved guilt. Beneath that desire to put other people down, to criticise, to maybe be a perfectionist and judgmental, beneath that is unresolved guilt. If I don't feel good about me, I certainly don't want you feeling good about you. And we tend to cast our guilt onto other people and then we act in judgmental ways. And this guy had that. You don't really feel forgiven. And therefore, you don't feel worthwhile. Now, on the other hand, when you remember how much God has forgiven you, you are going to be gentler towards other people. When you realise, do you know, I'm a, I'm a trophy of God's grace. And there's no way I can ever repay all that God has done for me. I wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for the grace of God. I don't get what I deserve. I get what I need from God. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here. When you remember that, then your whole outlook on life is completely different. Because then you're going to be more open and more generous and more forgiving. In fact, write this down. When we feel unforgiven, we tend to be unforgiving. When we feel unforgiven, we tend to be unforgiven because we don't want to let anybody else off the hook because we don't feel like that we are ourselves. And very often we project how we feel onto others. What is the key to this? How do we deal with this? Well, look at Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Well, why? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. True living is when I'm right with God and then I'm right with others. I have a right relationship with God when I ask for forgiveness. That's what makes me right with God. It's not how many times I go to church. It's it's not if I'm nice to other people. I have a right relationship with God when I ask for forgiveness and I enter into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. I then, I can then have a right relationship with others when I offer forgiveness to them because of the forgiveness I have received and experienced already from God. And most of the heartbreak and the stress and the damage in life is the result of people. And so the first key to learning how to forgive people on a continual basis is to realise just how much God has forgiven me and to remember that every single day, that I am a trophy of God's grace, that God has forgiven me for all the things I have done, will do in the future. That every day I walk in the forgiveness of God. And when you get that, that is so freeing and it helps you deal with those people those difficult people. So I ought to be able to cut other people some slack and not hold it over their heads. But secondly, I need to learn to forgive because resentment makes me miserable. Do you know, it, it, it always hurts me more than it does the other person. And then what I do is I, I, I lock myself up in the prism of bitterness. I hold grudges around me that keep everybody, anybody else from getting close to me. I torture myself with my own emotions, with worry, with guilt, with fear, with bitterness and with resentment. Now, in this story, the king is horrified when he hears about this guy that he's just forgiven 12 million pounds, who's gone out and choked a guy for 300 quid and he's really irritated. In fact, more than that, he is livid with anger. Look, verses 33 to 34, he says to this servant, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. Let him taste his own medicine, is what he's saying. Throw him in jail. Now, the word jailer in Greek literally means tormentors, torturers. These are the guys that kind of sort of stretch you out on the rack and do all kinds of horrible things to you, you know? Let this guy have a little bit of his own medicine. Let him be tortured if he's going to be so unforgiving. Now, what is Jesus talking about here in this part of his story? Is he giving us a picture of hell? Yes, he is, actually. He is giving us a picture of hell, that there will be unending torment for those who don't know Christ. But there's actually more to it than that. He's talking about the hell on earth that you can create when you refuse to forgive other people. Because, you see, unforgiveness always hurts you. And very often, when you hold a grudge, the other person is, is totally unaware of it. They're, they're oblivious to it. They may not even be aware. They've started thinking about something else in life. They're kind of getting on with their life. They're not even giving you a thought. But you keep mulling it over and over in your mind, making yourself miserable, torturing yourself, in effect. Because, you see, resentment is, well, it, is a poison, Bitterness will infect your life. Bitterness can ruin your soul. It can ruin you emotionally, spiritually, as well as physically. And guilt comes from what we do to others. But bitterness comes from what others do to us. And if we could learn how to deal with both of those in our our lives, well, our lives will be transformed overnight. Job 21 verse 23 says, "'Some men stay happy until the day they die.' Others have no happiness at all. They live and die, look at this, with bitter hearts. In other words, they just torture themselves. Let me ask you, what bitter memory is making you miserable? What resentments are you holding on to? And as I just mentioned that, all of a sudden it starts coming up in your mind right now. That hidden hurt that just keeps gnawing away at your peace of mind. Look, as your pastor who loves you, let me just say to you, just let that go. Let it go for your own sake. Because all it does is it hurts you. Job 5.2 says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. And yet we do it. But it's just not worth it. See, when we fail to forgive other people, God doesn't have to lock us up in jail. We do that to ourselves because we say things like this. We say, never again will I let another man hurt me. Never again am I going to let a woman break my heart. I'm never letting a boss take advantage of me like that anymore. And we start building walls and we don't let people get close to us because we're afraid that we're going to be hurt all over again just by somebody else. And when we build those walls, who are we walling in size? Ourselves. It is this self-imposed prison. You can't afford the luxury of a bitter heart. And yet millions of people have done just that. And they are imprisoned by resentment. They're held captive by a grudge. They're locked up in anxiety and anger about somebody who's hurt them in the past. So how do I break out of that prison? Because it is possible... Well, there is one key. It is the key of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I accept God's forgiveness and I offer it to others. That's what I do. I accept God's forgiveness for my guilt and I offer forgiveness to others for my resentment. That is the only key that will unlock, door, the, unlock the door of that jail so that you can begin to live the kind of life that God meant for you to live all along. And I need to learn to forgive because God has forgiven me. And, and I'll never have to forgive anybody else more than God has forgiven me. And because the resentment makes me miserable, I need to forgive. But thirdly, I need to learn to forgive because I'll need more forgiveness in the future. That's so true, isn't it? Because we're going to blow it. We're going to upset people. We're certainly going to need forgiveness from God in the future. And we're certainly going to need forgiveness from other people in the future. I need to learn to forgive other people because I will need more forgiveness in the future. Jesus says this in verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. He's saying, however I treat other people, that's the way that I'm going to be treated by God. If you don't forgive others, how can you expect God to forgive you? Do you see how pointed Jesus is here? Because he's saying here, he's saying, in effect, forgiveness is a two-way street. Now, the Bible says very clearly, not just in this place, but in many other places, we cannot expect to receive what we are unwilling to give. I need to learn to forgive because I'm going to need more forgiveness in the future. See, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You are saying this. God, I want you to forgive me as much as I forgive everybody else. Uh-oh. Do you really want to pray that prayer? Because that's what you're praying. God, you forgive me as much as I forgive everybody else. You see, it's, it's reciprocal, this issue of forgiveness. Matthew 5 verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. If you're unwilling to forgive, why do you think you deserve it yourself? You say, but they don't deserve it, but neither do you. I need to forgive because I will need more forgiveness in the future. See, notice this verse. It says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your." heart notice i've underlined those words from your heart there jesus is not talking here about lip service you can't just say will i forgive you and not mean it because we do that all the time don't we If somebody hurts your feelings or does something to you and you say yeah yeah i forgive you but underneath you're going i'm never going to forget that I, I know in fact i'm going to get even i'm never going to let them off the hook just because you say you forgive doesn't mean you've actually done it Jesus says you've got to forgive from the heart. That means not just intellectually, it means you do it emotionally. Have you ever done this? I'll forgive that person, but I'll never ever forget what they've done to me. Then you've not forgiven them. See, genuine forgiveness lets it go. Genuine forgiveness doesn't hold it over their head anymore. Genuine forgiveness, you say it is dead, it is gone, it is buried. I don't keep digging it up again. Because you see, what this parable is teaching us here is that forgiveness, well, it has to be a way of life if I claim to be a follower of Christ. It It is to be a continual, it is to be ongoing, because I have been forgiven continually and ongoing by God, day by day. And resentment makes me miserable, and I'm going to need continual and ongoing forgiveness in my own life in the future. And I am to offer forgiveness, and I am to ask for forgiveness. And you say, but Phil, I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to forgive that person because they'll just get away scot-free if I do that. And that's not fair. Is forgiveness fair? Of course it isn't fair. But whoever said life was fair? Is it fair that you can just be forgiven by God? No, that is not fair. That is grace. You don't get what you deserve. Forgiveness is, 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 is not fair. And it's very expensive. Because somebody has got to pay for my sins. And somebody has, and his name is Jesus Christ. And 2,000 years ago, he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. And he showed us how to live. And then one day, he walked up a hill and he allowed himself to be hung on a cross. And he stretched out his arms on the cross and he said, I love you this much. And he said, I will take all the sins of the world. My sin, your sin, every bad, evil thing, I will take the penalty he does. And either you let Jesus pay for your sins on the cross, or you one day will have to pay for them. You either accept it or you reject it. And so what I'm saying here is this, is forgiveness is, it's free, but it is not cheap. It is the most expensive thing that there is. And it cost Jesus his life. It cost God his only son to pay for your forgiveness. And forgiveness, when it happens between people, occurs when the person who has been forgiven, the person who has been hurt or or rejected voluntarily decides to accept the pain, to absorb the hurt at great cost. Only then can forgiveness occur. And you say, well, why in the world would anybody want to do that? Because I have already been forgiven by God. Because resentment makes me miserable, and because I'm going to need more forgiveness from God in the future. Once you've experienced the forgiveness and the grace of God and you're a follower of Christ, then there is no excuse not to forgive others. And I know that's hard. But who said sometimes following, the, the following Christ was easy? Take up your cross and follow him, he says. See, in this story, the debt of this man was paid for by a king. But in your case, it was paid for by the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And you need to accept it. Then you need to offer it to others. It doesn't matter what the other person has done to you. If you want to have God's blessing on your life, if you want to experience the cleansing power of God in your life, if you want to be set free from resentment and the burden of holding, holding that kind of blame on somebody... You must forgive. Because God forgives us and he expects us to forgive others. Forgive and be free. So let me ask you, who who do you need to forgive? You say, I don't think need to forgive anybody. Well, let's do a little quiz, shall we? Let's see. Here's a couple of areas to think about. First of all, the first is the blame test do you do this? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for the hurt and the pain in your life? If it hadn't been for my parents and what they did to me, if that person hadn't done that, if that spouse hadn't got involved in another relationship, who are you blaming for your unhappiness? The blame test. Here's the second test, the bitterness test. Am I keeping score and never letting people off the hook? See, some of you are married, and in the past, your spouse has made a major mistake, and you've never let them forget it. And every time you have an argument, ah, well, it's always there in the background, ready to be kind of like ammo, ready to be brought up again. And every time they do something good, well, in your mind, it's just repayment. They're just paying back for what they have done. There's no gratitude. There's no expression of of appreciation. It's just you owe me for that mistake that you made. And you never let them off the hook. I just want to say as clearly as I can, you are killing your marriage by your unforgiveness. Maybe you were hurt as a child. And I'm sorry that you were hurt. Or maybe you felt like you never got that love that you needed and deserved as a child Don't let that resentment lock you up in a prison that doesn't have to be there. Maybe you had a brother or a sister who treated you ruthlessly so you always felt in competition with them. No matter what you did, it always seemed like they always did a little bit better. And you hated that. You have held a grudge all these years. Maybe you had a friend that was disloyal or he or she stabbed you in the back or or they weren't there when you needed them to be there at that moment and that really hurt you, and you held on to that, and you become bitter over that. Or third test is the behaviour test. That's, that's when you act differently because of resentment. Do you, ever find, do you ever find yourself reacting or resenting somebody in an over-emotional way because they remind you of somebody else that you resent? And some of you have unresolved issues from people in your past that you're never actually able to resolve. And now you've taken that resentment and you've refocused it onto somebody who's close to you now. And you love that person. But when they do something that slightly reminds you of that former resentment, it annoys you. Hey, listen, you're not being fair to them. And you need to learn to forgive. You're going to be hurt in life. And therefore you have two options. What do I do with the hurt? Well, write this down. I can either rehearse them or I can release them. I can rehearse them, go over and over them in my mind. It just gets bigger. It makes me more miserable, or I can release them and I can release them by first accepting God's gracious forgiveness for the debt that I can't repay. You've got to accept God's grace as I've said. And then you turn around and you offer that forgiveness to those around you. You cut them some slack. I ask for forgiveness and I offer forgiveness. I put my heart right through forgiveness. And then I reach out to God and say, God, will you help me? See, it's interesting. Look at Job 11, verses 13 to 16. It says this, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods, that are past and remembered no more. Isn't that a great verse? In fact, I quoted that same verse last week. So important because it's the right way to live when we're struggling in this whole area. So let me put it to you this week. Let me give you some homework. This week, I want you to let somebody off the hook and you know who I'm talking about. Some of you maybe need to go home and you need to make a phone call or you need to write an email or you may need to sit down with your spouse and say, from this day forward, I'm never bringing up that thing again. It's settled because I do forgive you. Who is it that you need to forgive? Who is it that you need to reach out to this week? And if you do that, watch what God does in your life. Let's pray. And our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for sending Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus paid a debt that none of us could ever repay. And Lord, we'll either accept your forgiveness or we will pay for our sins ourselves, one way or the other. So I pray today, if there's anyone here who has not opened their heart to you, that they would invite Jesus into their life to heal their hurt, to remove that bitterness and to replace it with your love. Why don't I just encourage you for a moment just to talk quietly to God? Maybe you might want to even echo the words of this prayer. Dear God, thank you for your forgiveness for me. I ask you to forgive all that I've done wrong. I ask you to help me feel forgiven for those things that keep coming back and haunting me. And I know that resentment just makes me miserable. And I know that I'm going to need more forgiveness in the future. Help me to let people off the hook this week. To offer forgiveness. In your name I pray. Amen. The amazing thing is, is about in scripture, time and time again, we are given examples of forgiveness. You only have to read through the Bible time and time again. And we read of how Jesus not only forgives those who came against him, but we see examples of other people forgiving. We see it written in the Gospels. We see it written in the letters about how and why we should forgive. Let me read you some verses from 1 John 3, verse 16. Because you see, there is a costly nature to forgiveness because ultimately there is a sacrifice involved. And in a moment, as we stop and we remember all of those who gave the ultimate sacrifices, that they gave up their lives in different wars so that we have the freedom we enjoy. It also points us to the communion table because it points us to the one who gave up, who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who gave up his life so that we could have freedom, true freedom, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is what it says in 1 John 3 verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Do you see that? It is actions and in truth.